Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before we get started, support for this podcast comes from Boost with Facebook, whose podcast, Boost My Business with David Fisher, features unique perspectives and insight from business leaders and small business owners. Hear stories and anecdotes about businesses just like yours. Gain insight on what it takes to grow a business and learn from both the mistakes and triumphs of others. Download Boost My Business wherever you get your podcasts. That's Boost My Business Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by McKenna Kelly, here to talk all things gymnastics. We've got another great episode for you. You bet you didn't expect I'd say that one. We are going to be talking about a few different storylines that have come out in regards to both collegiate and elite gymnastics, and we have such a phenomenal guest. I am so excited. We are going to be joined by the 2004 All-Around Olympic champion. You know her, you love her. Carly Patterson is going to be joining us. This is so exciting for us to get to talk to her. McKenna obviously has a great relationship with her, so we are honored that she has agreed to come on our show and talk a little bit. And of course, we're going to dive into the meat of the week and talk all about UCLA in their meet against Utah. I have so many notes on that one. I am pumped to talk about it. So it's going to be a great episode. A little belated, but got to give a, a special birthday shout out to my girl, McKenna, who just turned the big two, three. How was your birthday? It was good. It was as good as it could have been. Um, I felt really loved. Um, I My sister's birthday, my older sister's birthday was on Easter Sunday. So um, I made a homemade cake and then I made another homemade cake for myself, which was really fun. Getting into baking during this time, which also isn't a good idea considering the gyms are closed right now, but um, it's really fun. Um, I, but yeah, I had a really good birthday. Thanks for asking. Good. Quarantine birthdays, man. I just feel Weird. like when we get back to normal, anyone that had a birthday during this time should, should just go ahead and like claim that it's their birthday yeah, again and celebrate it. correctly, yeah. you know? That's my plan too. I'm redoing it. Okay, deal, deal. Well, we are going to dive right on into the stories for today. Don't want to make you guys wait too long for Carly, but you know we've got to tell you about our amazing sponsors. Today's episode is once again brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Now, I did another podcast with some other hosts from the Believe Network, and it was four guys, and they have been dabbling in this bet online, and you know how competitive they get, oh, and yeah. they are loving it. They spoke so highly of it and are having so much fun, so maybe everyone out there should give it a try. While you're waiting out this weird time at home, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.ag, and I know what you're thinking. There's no sports, NBA, NHL, MLB, it's all kaput. How in the world are we going to be betting right now? But they are getting quite creative over at Bet Online. They still have hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino. And they are also doing different betting on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, plenty of fun to be had. So if you use our promo code MYPOD100, they're going to give you a welcome bonus on your first deposit. So all you have to do is go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100, make a deposit, whatever you feel comfortable with, and then they're going to give you a bonus, a little extra money to play with. So go have fun. Let us know how you fare. 
All right. First topic I want to discuss is a follow-up to something we talked about last week. The Honda Award finalists had been announced. It was a stacked group. Lexi Ramler, Maggie Nichols, Kyla Ross, and Trinity Thomas. And the award has been announced, and it officially goes to... Kyla Ross. And honestly, I was going to say no surprise, but I would have said that if any of these girls got it, like they were all so deserving and I could have seen it going to any of them. But UCLA senior Kyla Ross will be the Honda Sport Award winner. The Honda Sport Award has been presented annually by the CWSA for the past 44 years to the top women athletes in 12 NCAA sanctioned sports. And it signifies, quote, the best of the best in collegiate athletics. And honestly, I mean, does that not describe Kyla, especially after watching UCLA in the meet of the week this week, this girl, she did represent collegiate gymnastics. I think all four of these finalists did in their own way, but Kyla is just, she's a rock star. And I think this was so well-deserved. Kyla is top of the line. And you know, what's funny is when you think of Gymnasts like Kyla Ross and even Maggie Nichols, I, I still I think differently of them for whatever reason. Hmm. Kyla is just—they're both—they're both the pinnacle. They are both like the goat of college gymnastics. But I feel like they've done it in their own ways. They've—they've um, they've kind of led their own routes differently. Um, I yeah. think I don't know. It's—it's kind of hard to put into words what I'm trying to say. But I just—I feel like. Kyla is more, geez, I really don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Um, I'll I'll try and help you out here. Because when, you know, we've watched both Oklahoma and UCLA, and I think what everyone can agree with, anyone who watches collegiate gymnastics, you could watch these two and know they are in a level of their own. There is just, there is top tier talent in collegiate gymnastics. And then there's like phenoms in collegiate gymnastics. And these two are that Maggie and Kyla just exude confidence and ability, but they have difference in their style. There is a difference in their technique. And I would say Kyla is a bit more finessed. You watch her and it is like, and we're going to break this down because I just was blown away by this girl in the Utah meet, but She just, when she performs, it is like God intentionally made this girl to do gymnastics. Like she just, her body lines, her technique, everything is just, it looks seamless for her. And I Maggie maybe comes at you with a bit more power. So it seems like there's a bit more aggression to it. Kyla, it's just, it's like watching her walk. It's so easy for her. That that is exactly what I was trying to say. There's just, there's a difference. They're both, they're both at that same level, but they do it differently. And I respect both of them for that. But I do, I do feel like Kyla just is so seamless about it. Um, I, I took that was exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That's why we have two hosts on these shows. Yeah. I also would argue, and believe me, I'm sure people would come for me in this one, but I would argue that Maggie has had better pieces around her at Oklahoma than Kyla has had at UCLA. That is not in any way discrediting the talent at UCLA. I mean, These are two of the top three programs in the country. Okay, calm down. But I'm just saying, if you are the anchor of a lineup that has led to like an 
an obvious high score yeah. and yeah. you're Maggie Nichols, like it, you, not only can you perform as well as you do, but it also alleviates the pressure because the lineup ahead of you has, has performed so well. There have been times where UCLA has been shaky and Kyla has still been solid. I think that's a really interesting point. And I think, I think you're very right about kind of your, your own environment. You, um, oh, you, mm-hmm. you expect kind of that gymnastics to be up to par on, on every event with every single girl, UCLA, they, I feel like are just a good time. Like they're just fun to watch. And I feel like yes. they don't have, you expect it from OU, UCLA. You're not really sure every year, you know, that they've got good mm-hmm. talent, but not every year do they produce the way that they could. Um, and so yep. Kyla is very consistent. And I think that may be it. it. It's, it's unique to see consistency from UCLA and Kyla definitely brings that for them. I completely agree with you. Want to move in to a bit of elite news before we break down our meat of the week. Obviously, with the official decision to postpone the Tokyo Olympics to 2021, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are still so many decisions that have to be made in regards to that move. And the FIG committee and and a bunch of execs have been in meetings and trying to get all the answers together so that there is no more uncertainty. Uh, The executive committee discussed on Thursday of last week the major issues raised by the change of dates and the impact of the current global health crisis on gymnastics events. Now, there is a a well-done article. If you go to FIG underscore media on Twitter, they tweeted a link and it breaks down so many of the decisions that they've been discussing. But the main two that I want to uh, bring to the forefront has been the qualification for the 2020 games. So at at this point, it says that almost 75% of the Olympic places in gymnastics have already been allocated. Those will not be debunked. Obviously, if there's like an injury or someone withdraws, then fine. But if you have already qualified for the games, you cannot be replaced. Okay, so that's taken care of. And then you add this into the mix as well. This is the one that has gotten a whole lot of of focus and discussion, the age eligibility. So as of last week, the executive committee has decided that the age eligibility criteria in the Olympic qualification rules must be amended in order to line up with Article 5.2 of the FIG technical regulations, specifying minimum age in the year of the competition for senior competitions and the Olympic Games. So all that gibberish to say 2005 born athletes are going to be eligible to compete in the 2021 Games. So we are adding to the crop of gymnasts that are pursuing that spot in the Olympics. I just, it, you didn't think it could get more challenging to qualify for the Olympics and they just made it more challenging. It's, Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started on just the whole process. I think, first of all, the fact that it's a four-man team is just a joke. And considering now that more athletes have the opportunity to make the team, the girls that literally were like, I know, like I cannot because of my age. And now that they have this window open, it's, this is a whole new ball game. And I know the gym internet is going to absolutely freak out um, because maybe their favorites are, on the edge now maybe their favorites have to really vie for that spot or maybe their favorites are the ones that weren't age eligible now they are it's going to be a whole new process a whole new ball game and 
a lot of talent is going to be looked at. It's going to have to be looked at now. I just also think of some of the older girls who were coming back and pushing another year is already incredibly taxing yes. for them. I think of girls like Michaela Skinner who were probably, you know, on on the bubble, I would say, and it was already going to be challenging. She says, "Okay, I'm taking this one day at a time." Trinity Thomas told us the same thing. Now you bring in these young whippersnappers that have the same <laughs> opportunity and they're fresher and they're newer. Now, granted, they might not be as as advanced in their skill, obviously, and they don't have the competition background, which we know is incredibly beneficial. But I think that you are really going to put some of these older gymnasts who stuck with this sport specifically for the 2020 Olympics. That is the only reason that they stuck with it this Absolutely. long. And now you're going to potentially compromise what they know can only be done now. These young girls, these 2005 borns, they're going to qualify for 2024, it, it, like three more years. So like to throw them in the mix of this is going to compromise the opportunity for so many of, of the older ones. But reading some of the responses on Twitter, you you really get a good sense of both sides, I think. And I'm, I'm sure the committee felt like we can't make everyone happy. So we just got to do what we feel is in line with the rules. It's just opening a whole, it's, it's a genie in a bottle. You're opening up this, this bottle and so many more doors are being opened. So many more mindsets are, are being affected. And honestly, I think about Simone, I think about Simone in this and because she doesn't need Tokyo, honestly, she, she she can do it and she's going to crush it. And because she's Simone and she's going to show up and break more records and she's doing it for herself. I mean, cause she can, but I, I wonder does she does she want to do it? Is this going to be worth it to her? I, I I'm very interested because she, we all know Simone. She's very she's going to speak her voice. She's going to tell how she feels, and I really respect that about her. But I think at some point she is going to come out with with more of you know where she's at in this whole process um, with Tokyo being postponed, and, and I'll be very interested to kind of see what she decides and what she plans on telling the public. I mean, I, the opinions of all of them are eventually going to come out, and I, I won't blame them if they aren't for it. It's not that they don't want to support the younger ones. They just feel like it's this is a whole different ballgame that we none of us thought we would be subjected to, and now you are adding more and more difficulty, and this is already incredibly challenging for these athletes. Like, I just uh, – how much more can you throw at them during this time? The fact that they were all supposed to be, like – packing for Tokyo right now, essentially. And and like now you're finding out the entire landscape of the team could be completely different. And you don't know where you're going to be a year from now in your skill, in your ability, in your life for some of these older girls. Like it's just, it, it feels like a very, very difficult stage. My hope is that it doesn't affect the team's ability. And I know there, there's so much, the individual is, is most important, but this is going to be very challenging to have that team camaraderie. If you have all these girls with varying opinions on how this should have been handled. Absolutely. And then I think about Lori Hernandez too. I think I'm really thinking, I know obviously the young gymnasts, if anything, this is exciting for them. This is really exciting for them, but I, my heart breaks for the older ones, the ones who like Lori are trying to come back and make, you know, make amends with kind of where she's at in the sport. And of course, Michaela, she has made so many big sacrifices and so many decisions trying to chase this dream and make this happen for her. And for gymnasts like that, this makes it super, super difficult. I think really just the bottom line is that this has just made it so much more complicated and making a sound decision. But 
on the bright side, I think it's also so good. We are so stacked with talent. I really am not sure yeah. how, we, how we could pick wrong, um, but it, it's going to be heartbreaking for someone one way or another. That's just unfortunately what we're dealing with. And it was going to be like that regardless. About 75% of the places have already been allocated. So not a ton of these young ones are going to find themselves in the fold. But even if it just boots one of the expected team members, like that is going to be a very difficult pill for them to swallow. Well, before we get into our meat of the week and talk all about UCLA, I want to tell you guys once again about True Classic Tees. We love this sponsor, especially right now. They are awesome, good quality, versatile t-shirts, and that's basically what any of us are living in right now. So might as well support this business and utilize these t-shirts. They are soft. They hold up in the wash. You're going to be able to wear them when we get out of quarantine. So you definitely want to hit up True Classic Tees, especially since they're incredibly affordable. They are just $15, and now you can get them for even less. All you have to do is go to trueclassictees.com and use the code B-L-E-A-V for 20% off. So that's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. All right, let's talk about the Bruins, shall we? The meat of the week, like I said, was UCLA versus Utah. And, I mean, we talked a lot about this one during season the week after it happened because it was just one of those meets that everyone had to watch. watch. And even if you just saw the score, you were like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, Both of these teams, Pac-12 teams, conference rivals, and they were tied at three in the NCAA rankings going into this one. The stage was set for a huge meet, and boy, they did not disappoint. So starting on vault, there were some interesting things to me about UCLA's lineup. Like, they started out with a Yurchenko full, Mm -hmm. then they went to a one and a half, then they went to... Uh, was that the vault that you performed? Love the it. front entry? Yes. yes. Okay. So the front entry, handspring, vault into a front pike half twist. Then they went back to a a full. Yeah. I, I found that weird. Pauline Tratz was in the four spot with a Yurchenko full. And I, I, I didn't find it very... Um, I think if you're going to have a, a 995 start value in the four spot... It has to be like a Sierra from Florida. Like it has to be the most beautiful, impressive 995 if you're putting it in between two 10 start values. And I I just didn't think Pauline's was very clean. It just wasn't very big. It didn't have much amplitude. That one kind of confused me why she was there in the lineup. Um, And then Felicia and Kyla rounding out the lineup. Felicia, a one and a half, pretty big hop on the landing. And then Kyla, literally my note is Kyla dot, 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 dude. Like I just... Nine on five score for her and just perfect execution. But that's a really good example of what we were saying about Maggie versus Kyla because Oklahoma's vault rotation, watching just their vault mm-hmm. lineup, I was like, that's a national championship. Absolutely. Team. Like, Absolutely. So, of course, Maggie's, you know, anchor beautiful stuck one and a half is the exclamation point. But Kyla after – like, Kyla is – the redeemer sometimes for UCLA because I honestly, I wasn't very impressed with this vault lineup, but Kyla comes in and you're like, Oh, there's near perfection. So overall it wasn't huge. It it didn't make my jaw drop, but meanwhile, Utah on bars, I was crushed. So immersed. So I think that was kind of 
where the meat was decided, which is crazy because it was the very beginning. You you nailed the the nail on the head, truly, because what everything you pointed out is what I have in my notes too. Um, I think overall, honestly, I was very unimpressed with UCLA's fault rotation. They just seem un- yeah. they just seemed unpolished to me. Um, they yep. have the skills. I, I like that they ha- I like that their vault lineup was unique. Obviously, I love to see a front hand spring. Um, Pike half. I have so much respect for girls who don't do your chinkos. So I, I and and she did a great job of performing that vault. That was a very good um, front handspring vault. Um, Agreed. The only other note I have is Felicia used to do such this massive perfect double on vault. Uh, your chinko double. It was so stinking good. I mean, it was up there with like Ashley Nad and Alex McMurtry and. Um, she was, she was someone who really stood out on vault. So I'm kind of sad to see that she is doing a one and a half now. Um, but, hmm. but I didn't, you, you, you understand because she does more in the lineups throughout the meet. So maybe it was more of like right. you know, doing what she has to do for her body. But I was sad to have seen that not be there anymore. I completely agree with that. So by the end of that rotation, Utah was leading by 0.225. So then UCLA goes over to bars. They had two career highs, and and this is where UCLA started to build for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it started off rocky. Felicia Hano fell, which is uncharacteristic for yeah. her. But then Savannah Koyman in the two spot, she started kind of shaky. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> that a tale as old as time when, when the leadoff falls and then the rest of the lineup, like, is just a little bit off. But – I swear, like halfway through her routine, she kicked it into high gear. And it was like, you saw her aggression take over. She got them right back on track, very aggressive dismount and ended up with a 9-9. And so from there, it it was like the fall was completely in the past. So I, I really appreciated Savannah being able to kind of change the narrative for them so quickly. Uh, Nora Flatley, very unique routine. I I think several of these girls put unique skills out there for UCLA, which I appreciate. Um, Her dismount, full twisting layout on bars is like my favorite dismount, by the way. Uh, But she flew it out. It's so beautiful. Molly Korth could do it like no other, love. Um, She flew it out a little bit far, but very appealing, unique routine. Uh, Kaliani Steele had the most perfect handstand that I've ever seen. She stayed up there for like five seconds. <laughs> Madison Koshin, you know, I was a little disappointed on on her bar routine. She's got such ease in her release moves, but uh, a bit of over rotation on her landing, so that kind of sent her backwards. And then Kyla, like the most gorgeous technique, and it it's it would have been a ten if it weren't for the small hop on the dismount. It was. It was stunning. Uh, what else can you say about her? Perfect. It was literally perfect. And Kathy Johnson said that too. Um, if it weren't for the little hop, she was out of 10 for sure. And I do. I want to go back to Madison because I know her as a person. I know her outside of the gym. And she is one of those people who is the sweetest in the world. She she wants the best for everyone. She wants to be where, like where she is, she wants to be all there. Um, and, mm-hmm. and my heart breaks for her because she's just such a genuine, real person. And obviously when you, especially when you go from an elite career, that was very tough. Um, I mean, she was unbelievably successful. Um, and and yeah. there was a lot of injuries and a lot of things for her to overcome. And then you go to college kind of hoping and kind of hearing from other gymnasts that went from elite to um college and watching their careers unfold, you're kind of hoping like, wow, like, you know, it's really working out for them. Like, that's what's going to happen to me. And you kind of hold that standard to yourself. And um, unfortunately, even if you're not elite, college doesn't always pan out for everyone the way that they planned. It didn't pan out. I I had a great career, but it still didn't 
pan out the way I had envisioned it. I wanted to be an all-arounder and I really only competed two events my whole time there. So, I mean, it, it doesn't, life, if I've learned anything, life is, you can't plan life. It, it, it'll happen and you just yeah. gotta be ready. Um, but I, she's doing the absolute best she can. And, but it, my heart breaks for her because I really, I wanted like that happy ending for her. I wanted her to be happy yeah. and get in a good place and, and finish on a good note um, because she just has such a great heart. Um, but I, I do think her injuries have just held her back from, from so many things, unfortunately. But, um, again, overall on bars, I, I was, I really thought they were unpolished. I know I keep using that word, but I just, I just feel like there were so many execution deductions everywhere. Um, they just seemed a little bit sloppy to me. Maybe they're putting too much mm-hmm. pressure on themselves, you know, especially in a high strung meet against, um, a, a school that's tied with them. Like maybe it's just too much pressure, but Overall, I was just, I was expecting more and in cleaner form from them. I can agree with that. I also think as a spectator of the sport for several years, it's always interesting to me, the personality of a team kind of translates to what events they're better at. Yeah. I think for UCLA, they are kind of uninhibited. They they are known for that like free spirit, performance-driven artistic gymnastics. Mm -hmm. I don't think the, the hard nosed disciplined technique execution first is necessarily their mantra. And to me, that translates to beam and floor, not bars and vault. And I think that's exactly what we saw in this. Sure. I think, I think that's a good point. By the end of that rotation, Utah was leading by 0.125. So they definitely closed the gap, but Honestly, I I wasn't that impressed with Utah's vault either. So I came to this conclusion. We talked all season about how this year across the country seemed to be the year of the beam. Somehow, all these teams were just excelling on beam, and they were they were just finding their way to compete that event. I also think this year. Because there are differences each season where teams thrive. And, and that goes based on the the personnel that's on the team, where their skill set is, and, and also what the coaches are emphasizing. I mean, in what other sport do you have to be good at four freaking things? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, in basketball, you're good at basketball. You don't, yeah. like, do four separate things. So, like, there's only so much that you can do. And so I think this year was not the year of the vault. I, I was not very impressed yeah. Even last week when we broke down Florida, like there, there really weren't any that really impressed me. I think there are stellar athletes and talent across the country. And there, it doesn't make sense why that amplitude and execution on vault was not seen more this season. You're so right. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that I've honestly never thought about. I kind of think of like gymnastics as gymnastics. And I don't think about like, there's four different things that require different skill sets from you. And you're not always good at all of it. And, And that's very fair. And it's so true that, you know, each team is so different. They could be stacked with power one year. They could be stacked with flexibility and grace and better bar swingers one year. And, or maybe they're both. And it's hard to get kind of a whole team of all of that. So maybe that, maybe that's where their gap is this year. Yeah, I really felt like vault was kind of lacking across the board this year, and I felt like that was the same in this meet as well. All right, so then we go into rotation three, and we are going to continue with those recaps. But first, want to tell you guys about another awesome sponsor for our show. Everyone knows 
LinkedIn. And funny story, actually, I found out about Believe Podcast Network and that they had some openings for a new host on LinkedIn. So this is actually a very good testimony for LinkedIn because it got me to this podcast network. So what do you know? Uh, We all know and love LinkedIn. It has become a tried and true method for job searchers, as well as employers looking for someone to fill a position. And the reality is the perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. And the only place to find that perfect hire is on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens the candidates with the hard and soft skills that you are looking for so you can hire the right person fast. And honestly, In these times right now where we can't be doing in-person interviews and and everyone's sitting at home trying to make the best use out of their time, using LinkedIn jobs allows them to screen them for you and really help you narrow down the right candidate. So it's no wonder that a person is hired every eight seconds using LinkedIn. That is just a crazy stat to me. So if you are looking for the right person for your business today, you have got to use LinkedIn in jobs. And right now they're giving us an opportunity that you can pay what you want and they're going to give you the first $50 off, which is such a great deal. It's going to get your ad out to a lot of people for a really, really great deal. All you have to do is visit linkedin.com slash team. So again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Heading into rotation three, UCLA on the beam, Utah on the floor. McKenna, why don't you start, go through kind of your notes for this one, and and I'll add in if if we differ. Awesome. Well, first of all, Grace Glenn, this was the routine where she got that 10-0. We've talked about that um, before on the podcast. You know, her being Mm -hmm. off, it's huge for her to open that gate, kind of be the pioneer of, hey, it doesn't matter where you are in the lineup, a 10 is a 10 or a high score is a high score. Um, but I, I want to break that down her routine a little bit more just because it was obviously it was a 10 0, but the oversplit in her series is just like, what? I, I don't know. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> a lot of the streams, like her in her layout step out, she literally reaches over 180 degrees, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. Again, she was just really the pioneer for, for all leadoffs alike, regardless of at the event. Um, and it was really, if anyone was to get a 10 first up, it, rightfully so grace Glenn. so um obviously they started off really strong on beam then we went on to samantha sakti uh she had an impressive scene of a standing layout layout uh she was a little bit wobbly but overall i was i thought she had an impressive skill set um yeah nora flatley third up very hard series she went front aerial to back pike uh, i thought the back pike was a little sloppy there is a bit of a knee bend there um i loved her turn to her jump series that was very unique um, and then her artistry and her leaps are just so beautiful. You can tell her and Rachel Gowie trained at the same gym just with how sharp but elegant they are. They Their gym obviously pays very much attention to detail and um, that's carried with them in their um, collegiate careers. Then we have Nikki Shapiro, fourth up. She actually rejoined the team after leaving the sport altogether in 2016, which is absolutely nuts. Um, not only did she come back onto the team, she was able to make the team again, pick up her gymnastics, um, and make the lineup, y'all. That is huge. That is not only just Mm -hmm. like rejoin the team and here she is, but she's competing. So that made me really, really happy to see. 
Um, she has a crazy, interesting story. Um, and it just, I was really proud of her to be able to kind of um, assess where she was in her life, knew that she needed to take a step back and then rejoined that that could be very, very hard, um, especially when you've made it this far. And she had a great routine. She went 9-9. And we had Felicia Hano, which who we've seen a lot of in this meet. I was very impressed overall mm -hmm. um, just with, with how much and, and where she is in the lineup. Um, she had a great series, very difficult and aggressive. She performed it very well. Uh, great dismount. The only thing I'd say, she was a little iffy on those leaps and jumps. Uh, she went 9825. Um, and then we had Kyla. I literally wrote in my notes drooling because <laughs> where do you begin? Um, she had a huge switch ring in her routine, which if you're unfamiliar with what, what that is, um, it is a switch leap. So you're going to kick one leg in front. You're going to switch it. And now you've switched legs. You hit a 180 degree split. That's a switch leap. Now a switch ring is the same thing. You start with that leg, you switch it from behind you. You're now in a split. But as your legs are reaching up to hit that 180, that back leg keeps going. It bends in the back and you drop your head back. So not only is it more difficult, but you are essentially losing sight of the beam altogether. You are hovering over the beam. Yep. You're throwing your head back. And then when you're done with your skill, you have to pull your whole body back down to the beam, pull that head back. Um, so that just goes to show where she, she, how she knows her body, her air awareness. Um, she's just incredible. She had a very cool, unique um, full turn. Her leg was extended behind her. I loved. I just love to see different, unique gymnastics. It can get very repetitive and boring. Um, overall, she's just so stinking good. But I really enjoyed their beam performances. I thought again. Form yeah. issues. I think we've seen that throughout the whole meet at this point. But um, I think most of the form issues were in the middle of the lineup. But um, I think they've done a really good job of stacking their lineup the way that they have it, because it kind of blended seamlessly with how Grace started and how Kyla finished it. Um, it kind of makes you forget about that in between. You kind of just think, oh, well, they had a very hit um, beam rotation. And you don't really think about those little things. But I do think execution wise, they could be much better. I agree with you. I, I was, it was so fun to watch because it wasn't typical. Every single athlete in this lineup had something unique in their routine. And it goes back to what we were saying a couple weeks ago during these recaps. The really great teams, they don't stop with what's required yeah. of them. They go the extra mile. And I agree there were some, some form things here and there, but as far as what UCLA pushes themselves to do on the beam, I give so much credit for. I mean, basically all my notes were just the, the unique skills that stood out. Even as small as Grace Glenn's heel stretch to the front of her freaking head. Like, they just, they add this flair that makes it so intriguing and so fun to watch. Once again, they kind of closed the gap on that one. By the end of that rotation, Utah was leading by 0.075. So each rotation, they were like chipping away at the score discrepancy. By that point, Beam was my favorite rotation of UCLA. Agreed. Agreed. So then we move on to floor. And honestly, if I'm Utah, I'm shaking in my boots or shaking in my leotard because you know what UCLA can do on floor. They are the number one team on floor for a reason. You're also in Poly Pavilion where you know the the audience gets so in, involved in the floor routines. I would have been worried that our lead would have been compromised, but Utah slayed the beam yeah. in the midst of an incredible floor performance by UCLA. So McKenna, run through this lineup for sure. me. Tell me what stood out to you. Um, okay. Well, they start off with Nora Flatley. Uh, I thought she had such a very cool, unique routine. 
Um, she was very sharp, but like in robotic, but she was still elegant, still classic. Um, Nora, yep. I think it's something about um, Chow's gym, which is where she trained. Um, also, Rachel Gowie trained. And um, there's a couple other gymnasts who are making their way to the um, NCAA world from that gym. Um, but you can just tell, and not only from Chow's, but other gyms alike throughout the nation in college, you can always tell like where they came from, especially if they're on, you know, from the same team, their gymnastics looks the same. So, um, but I thought her and Rachel Gowie from last week on Florida on floor too. Um, I kind of felt like they, their technique very much translated into college. I feel like Nora is such a goofball. If you guys know anything about her, if you watch her, she's just so fun on the sidelines. She's just such a goofy, fun person. Um, but when she is competing, she's very serious and very um, methodical. And, and I think it's really unique to see um, kind of how she puts that together. But um, I did think her passes were a little bit boring. And I know that kind of sounds weird, a weird way to describe it. But I guess I just expect more from her. And I'm not saying she's underwhelming by any means, but usually elites have a lot to pick from. They have a big skill vocabulary. Um, she yeah. was the lead off. I thought she did a great job leading off. She went 9925. Um, I just, I, I wasn't, I wasn't amazed. I loved, I loved her routine, but it was just, it was very decent. It was very good. Then we went on to Chloe Lashbrook. Um, very fun music. I thought her leaps were a little funky, um, but she had pretty good tumbling. It was clean and great control on her landings, which is always a plus, always something you need to see, um, in the floor lineup. And when a meet is this close, you don't want to give away any little deductions. Then we have Mia Dennis. She kind of was a viral sensation. I don't know if it's like just because the LA environment or whatever, but their routines over there are always going viral. Um, Mia Dennis broken <laughs> the internet a couple times with her Beyonce themed routine. Um, and I am obsessed with her opening pass. It is so cool, so different and unique, very difficult. Um, she had a solid middle pass um, and a great Rudy to, to finish off the routine. She went 9975. Um, then we have Gracie mm -hmm. Kramer. She has also kind of broken the internet here. I feel like the gym internet has really just kind of, um, kind of taken to, to, to love her. She's just, um, someone mm -hmm. who is very deserving, someone who kind of just does her job. And, and I think the gym internet kind of noticed that like, Hey, she's really good. Like we'd like to see more from her. She deserves this. And, um, I feel like because everyone's been pulling for her, like things have just come naturally her way. And she's, she's known to be an incredible person performer um and it was so fun to watch um but she also has really huge clean floaty tumbling it's very like she's very patient with her skills but she like it just bounds the way that she tumbles it's just so dynamic and um so patient um her leaps were a little short but her her floor team did give me chills honestly and she went nine nine seven five yeah and we have felicia hano She's always been a great tumbler. Um, I remember training um, at national team camps with her. She was someone who I felt like I could relate to in a sense, um, just because she she could throw a lot of different tumbling passes on floor, um, and we kind of had a similar routine. So um, anyway, she's always been a really great tumbler. She had a great double layout. I loved her her dance part on the floor. It was so fun. She did this like swimmy fishy thing, um, and it was so <laughs> I loved her music. She was um, she's just fun to watch too. I thought her double pike, her last pass was a little whippy, but she did have great landings. She went 9.95. And then we have Kyla Ross, the boss. She went whip to double tuck, which is actually something that she used to do in Elite. Um, she did a whip mm -hmm. to, I want to say double rebound. I, I really don't remember. I just remember 
her doing a whip to something. And just the fact that she does a whip, I was like, okay, that's yeah, it's um, ridiculous. It, yeah, it's really good to see her be doing that again. I really, I really like that pass on her. Um, and then I, I literally wrote in my notes, can Kyla please give a leap clinic? Um, because, oh my God. They're beautiful. Oh, so good. So good. I mean, anything she does is literally so beautiful. But all we got them from her, she went 9975. Um, honestly, I feel like overall, their floor scores were very overscored. I really, really thought yep. the judges were trying to just pull it out for them. Um, but they did say after Kyla or after Utah got that, got the win and it was announced and it was official, um, that Kyla would have had to get more than a 10 for them to win, which is obviously impossible. So there was nothing that the judges could have done. Um, I mean, UCLA did a great job. They had great performances. Again, I just think there were so many form issues. Um, and I would honestly, I would like to see more difficulty in their tumbling, but they do dance. Yep. incredibly well. Um, they were really fun to watch in terms of performances. I mean, that's the kind of performance you want to see in the world of college gymnastics, and they easily take the cake on that. This floor uh, performance was the best example that we could find of the impact of both your home yeah. audience, yeah. but also very good choreography. Yeah. I do not yeah. want to take away yeah. from that because I think – each individual routine, and UCLA is known for doing this. It, it was Miss Val, and they have continued this trend. It is its own mini movie. Each athlete has a character. I, that's why, like Gracie Kramer's, is so intriguing because it's kind of like a, a creepy like feel. A nice um, yeah, yeah. And then Felicia Hano's is more of like a fiesta, and like there's always a unique identity to their floor routine matching with the adrenaline associated from the crowd in Polly Pavilion. Yeah. Because I wrote down their scores, 9925, 99975, 995, 9975. And I think two of those were deserved. Yes, agreed, 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 agreed. Obviously, Kyla. Um, and I thought Nia's was very, very good. Yep, that's exactly who I thought. Nonetheless, Utah got the win, which I do think was the correct result. They won 198.075 to 198.025. And I agree with you. I think if you're getting over a 198, your execution and your technique should be better than what I saw in this one. But nonetheless, incredibly entertaining as UCLA always is. Very fun. But um, overall, I, I do think there were plenty of, of loose ends that UCLA would have needed to tighten up heading into postseason. Couldn't agree more. All right. So the next team for us to discuss, it should be fresh on everyone's minds because the number four team by the end of season was Utah. So we figured since this was such an impressive performance, it was also a road meet, high intensity we're going to talk Utah versus UCLA again. This meet was just one of the special ones. So why not analyze both teams involved in the meet? So same meet, but next week we will talk all about Utah. So if you need to watch it again as a refresher, pay attention to Utah. That's what we will be doing, and we will break down their performance. Spoiler alert, we all know the ending, but we will break down all of their performance. That was their highest score of the season, so we feel like that really gives the best insight into what that team was capable of this past season. So make sure you watch along with us and be ready to talk about the Utes next week. Well, we are going to bring in our very, very, very special guest, Carly Patterson. But before we do that, got to tell you guys about Simply Safe. Now, with home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. You can wait weeks for a technician 
to do a messy install that costs a fortune. Also, like no one's trying to let strangers into their house right now. Okay, we're all trying to avoid coronavirus. Am I right? Or you can get Simply Safe, the two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award. Now, I personally have a security system in my house, and it gives me so much peace of mind, especially right now when everyone is kind of home all the time. Simply Safe blankets your entire home in safety. They have outdoor cameras, doorbell alerts, uh, so you're going to know if anyone is approaching your house at any given time. They have entry, motion, and glass break sensors. They they basically have it all. They have got you covered, and it's just fifty cents a day with no contracts. I mean, like. It, it, it keeps getting better. It's ridiculous. All you have to do is go to simplysafe.com slash team and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. So you can give this thing a go while we're all at home. You can play around with it, see if you like it. And if not, you're going to get your money back. So hello. You've got absolutely nothing to lose. So go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash team. All right, everybody, it's the moment we know you have been waiting for. McKenna and I are so incredibly excited to be joined by the 2004 Olympic all-around champion. Everyone, welcome Carly Patterson Caldwell. Carly, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to, to be here. So obviously you and and Mary Lou Retton have had a relationship given your similar accolades. I've seen interviews you guys have done together, but when did you meet McKenna? I I think it was probably at one of the gymnastics championships at at some point a long time ago. Yeah. That that, that sounds right. My mom would take all (laughs) her whole little crew to like any of the championships. Like uh, the reunions y'all would all have. So yeah, I'm sure that's where we first met. You made some shirts a while, a long time ago. And me and my, so you gave a few to me and my sisters and we wore a shirt to, it was black with pink on it. We wore shirts yeah. to, oh my gosh, we were obsessed with that shirt. We felt so <laughs> cool and cute. And I think it was like the, the first pictures I posted on my Instagram, actually. I don't think it's there anymore, but it's definitely on Facebook. Oh my wow. God. That's hilarious. Yes, yes, I remember that now. You've done some such cool things, like post-gymnastics life, like really just trying to figure out who you are outside of gymnastics. And like, that's kind of what I'm going through right now. So I have so much respect for you and and just how you kind of branched out and kind of found your your own way because it's hard and yeah. it's scary. And so just... That, that's been yeah. helpful for me to kind of see. Well, thank you. I know it's, I feel like it's something that, um, you know, not only gymnasts go through or it could just be at whatever point in your life um, where you just have these moments where maybe one chapter's over and, and you're starting a new one. And, you know, for, especially for us gymnasts, um, you know, maybe finishing a college career or your, your gymnastics career, whatever it may be. And then you're like, well, that was my passion and my love. And, that was all I've known and, and life for so long that, well, what's now and what's mm-hmm. next? Uh, what's my next passion going to be? And that is not, you know, always a, an easy question to answer. Most of the time it's, it's not at all. And I definitely had a period where I was really down, um, 
you know, because life had just completely done a 180 and totally changed. And I was asking myself, what is next? And, you know, what do you do after you accomplish your biggest life goal at 16 years old, and you still have your entire rest of your life in front of you. And I definitely went through a period of just trying to figure things out and trying new things. And, you know, a couple of those things were, you know, one of the things was, was singing. I thought, you know what, I've won an Olympic gold medal. Like why not go after a Grammy now? Because how hard can that be? (laughs) Um, Singing, (laughs) you know, singing was something that I always loved uh, doing and like grew up watching my dad sing in church and um, in a band. He still sings in a band to this day. And I thought, well, you know, I've never had time to do anything other than gymnastics. So why not try this now? Uh, you know, ended up finding out that wasn't going to be my, my route and my true passion and figured out I love singing, but I didn't want that life and that, you know, whole everything else that goes with it. But I'm glad I tried it. And everything that I've done after, um, you know, post Olympics has been a learning experience and, and, and been part of just my journey. And, and I've grown and learned from everything that I've tried and stepped out and done. And, um, you know, whether things worked out in it or didn't, I wouldn't change anything because like I said, I learned from it, grew from it. And um, it kind of all led me to, you know, where I am now and today. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of what I'm figuring out too, is, you know, that I think the biggest thing um, is not is not having those regrets. Like, well, what if I try? I mean, the worst case, I think maybe maybe it's a gymnast thing. I know I'm terrified of failure and rejection, and that holds me back from doing yeah. so many things. But I'm also mm-hmm. learning that that holding on to that feeling and being held back by fear is a worse feeling than trying something and it not working out. So that it's been hard for me to kind of work through that. So it's really good to hear kind of where you've been in your own path and, and kind of figuring things out for yourself of, okay, I know I like this. I'm going to give this a try. If it doesn't work out, it's going to lead me to something else and, and having that faith. So, so thank you for sharing that. Cause I know that that that's hitting home for me for sure. Well, yeah. And I, I love that you ha- are learning that and know that at such a young age too. And it's such a, um, you know, beginning stage of after your gymnastics career, because I think, like you said, there are so many people that, are scared to step out and try something. And, you know, you ne- you'll never know if you don't, and exactly. you will always have that regret. So um, I'm glad that you are just going, th- going for things and saying yes to things because the right things that are, you know, put in your life and, you know, that you're supposed to, to be in, in the moment that you're supposed to be in. I think, you know, I, I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm fully, you know, so much more aware now of, whatever's supposed to work out and, and you're, you're supposed to be in and whatever stage in life, like that's where you're going to be. And, um, I think God will put those things in your path. I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. And I think that is, is such a beautiful sentiment because the reality is, you, you know, like you said, McKenna, that being crippled by fear is something that so many people can resonate with. And it's the very reason that it, they stop themselves from going that extra mile. And I, I think we've heard from so many of our guests on this show that gymnasts, you know, you, you've spent so long trying to attain perfection that it, it starts to seep into other aspects of your life. And so I think that that's something that so many 
community can resonate with. But the truth is those those trial and error moments in your life are, are likely the ones that you're going to learn the most from. So I, I think that's a, a huge Absolutely. And, and certainly something that the two of you are, are doing well. Um, I, I do want to ask you, Carly, in light of, of what's going on right now, you're talking about being crippled by fear. I know so many gymnasts across the country right now are, are kind of wrestling with, with different emotions given everything that's happening, obviously with the, the postponements of the Olympics. And I saw a post that you put on Instagram actually, you know, saying that your heart goes out to all the gymnasts in, in light of this decision and how 04 was kind of your, your one shot. And had that been tampered mm-hmm your dream may not have become a, a reality. So I, I just want to hear, you know, kind of your response when you heard the news and, and maybe a bit of advice for the athletes that are being affected by this. Yeah. You know, like, like you said, um, Oh, four was my one shot. I, I truly kind of believe that because I was just having a lot of back pain, um, you know, leading up to the Olympics and it was something I was having to fight through that, you know, I didn't, tell anyone it was really me and my coach that knew and um it was just getting worse and worse and you know shortly after the olympics the doctor was like you know you need to retire um you know if you want to worry about your quality of life after i can't promise you what that's going to look like if you keep going so i just Mm -hmm. don't think if i don't know if i would have you know for like today's olympic postponement like i don't know if i would have been able to make it another year um you know so i i feel like i can really empathize with them in that way of looking at it, you know, those people that were just holding on for a few more months type of thing, you know, and they're really at their peak and they're ready to go. And they're just mentally, they've been looking forward to it for four years and it's finally almost here to you know, then say, okay, it's postponed a whole year. And I bet that that, you know, can completely flip someone's mindset when you're when you're almost there and you're focused by this point right like you are just almost probably to your peak position and peak performance level and you're ready to go so I definitely you know feel for all the athletes right now that are having to kind of flip that mindset and be like okay well we're now a year out and um you know it's just one of those things that I, at the same time, I was trying to look at the positive of it, of being like, okay, you know, hopefully for those athletes that are really healthy and continue to keep going, you know, hopefully it's just a year of, of working even harder, getting even better, even stronger, and, mm-hmm. you know, see what happens in a year and where, you know, how they were able to grow and get better. Um, but at the same time, I was glad that at least it didn't get completely canceled because right. I really could not have imagined, you know, if that would have been the news for myself personally. I would have just been absolutely crushed and devastated, um, you know, when that's something that you're working your whole life towards. So I think once again, I was trying to look at it in the most positive ways of like, okay, at least it wasn't canceled um, (laughs) totally. And hopefully all of these athletes can just hold out one more year and, um, and, you know, stay mentally and physically strong right now. Glass half full. I like it. You know, I'm trying <laughs> <laughs> to kind of change routes. I really want to talk about a little bit um, about your skill set 
Um, you were a powerhouse of a gymnast. Um, I obviously, I loved watching you. I loved watching Sean Johnson, just gymnasts that I could relate to because I yeah. was no Losty Lucan by any means. Um, but <laughs> I want to talk specifically about your Patterson dismount. Tell me a little bit about that skill and how that kind of came about because that is like so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I've kind of always had a tumbling dismount. Um, I remember growing up and, you know, those first like optional levels, like I never did a round off dismount. I always did like a back handspring, back handspring, double back um, growing up. And then we kind of switched it um, at some point to doing round off back handspring, double back. And that was my dismount for a long time. And um, I I had a, a long time double Arabian pass on floor and then also had a, you know, a single standing Arabian in my theme routine for a long time. So Arabians, I was pretty good at them. (laughs) And I think we just noticed that. And, uh, you know, one day my coach was like, let's just start trying like roundup back handspring Arabian timers. Like, let's just see where this can go. You know, both my coaches and, um, that's kind of how it started in a, I mean, it happened. It all kind of happened pretty quickly. Actually, it was one of those things where, like I said, I think when you're tumbling off the beam, it's it's a little bit easier to get that power and momentum going. Mm-hmm. And I had been so used to doing Arabians and double Arabians that it wasn't it wasn't like a, a huge change for me to just start doing a roundup back handspring double Arabian off the beam. Um, I do you know, remember for starting and like thinking, okay, this is a little bit scary or a lot scary. Um, this seems a little crazy, but, uh, you know, as we trained it, it just got more and more comfortable and it was like, all right, this is now my dismount. And realizing that nobody had ever done it before. Um, and that, you know, I could possibly get it named after me, um, at like the world championships. And so, yeah, it was, that was kind of a, that, I mean, that was a really cool moment for me there and, you know, doing it successfully and then knowing it was going to be called the Patterson and going to the code of points. That was kind of one of those goals that I always had, but it was kind of in the back of my mind. It was like, well, I mean, you know, you kind of have to think of something and come up with something kind of cool and crazy, you know, that nobody's done. And it was, it wasn't one of those like forefront goals that we were always like trying to like think of something. It just yeah. happened. Yeah. And then in turn, I was like, Oh, like what a cool part in, you know, to have as my gymnastics career. Like I now have a skill named after me. So that's so true because any gymnast I feel like who has had a skill named after them, like it's always just like a really cool plus. Like it's never real. That's right. never really like forefront. I think because there's so many things to like accomplish that are more right in front of you. And then having a skill yeah. named after you, like, yeah, that's really cool. So I feel like the, the thing too about my dismount that's pretty neat is that it still even like stands the test of time of difficulty today, even in, you know, this, this crazy difficulty era that we are in, like still not something that you see anyone really doing. Ah. Um, so which that, that makes it kind of extra cool. That's a really good point. I really didn't think about that. It, you're so you're so right about that. It still it still is up to par with where we're at. Where Simone's at is honestly, if we're just gonna say it, it's Simone and her crazy amount of difficulty. Right. right. Well, I'm sure she have no problem doing that just not anyways. But she has oh. an even cooler dismount. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, obviously, after that, you know, historic moment in the 04 games and and everything that you accomplished in your career, then, you know, you get out of the sport and you kind of switch gears and and you're 
kind of more of, of a spectator of sorts, but you obviously will always have that tie to the sport. So I would love to get your input, you know, since your career ended, what have you seen in terms of the evolution of the sport in both skill and in the culture? Um, yeah, you know, my, it was funny because I, well, I guess 16 years ago this year, we'll have been the time passed since my Olympics and everything was just totally different at that point. You know, like that's the Olympics where after that, everything kind of started changing and going the way that it, it is now, but it's crazy. Just the difference that it has taken just the changes yeah. that have been made since um since then to just really be able to like chock full your routines of like the hardest tricks and skills and um I I, I am just I'm honestly glad that I got to compete in the time that I did because <laughs> um that it just I don't know gymnastics seems like it has just gotten so much harder and yeah. crazier since then and so I'm just glad I didn't have to go <laughs> to do it now because I wouldn't I wouldn't stack up I wouldn't last circling back to um oh four games if you can look back what is probably the best moment or the most memorable obviously winning was was a huge deal but is there is there something else that really stuck out to you that really kind of gave you those butterfly feelings too um, gosh, yes. Other than, other than the winning moment, you know, for sure. Um, I think just, um, you know, that, that next day being on the Today Show and like that very next morning and finally getting to, like, I got to see my mom, like I got to see her for a minute after I won that night, but um, had to go straight to do like an interview with Bob Costas and then it was like bedtime and then you know first thing in the morning like a couple hours later it was like all right you're getting up to go do today's show and um, so it was just so good to like sit with her and get to see her and just kind of like let things start sinking in a little bit like what I had done and then um, you know also uh, your mom had Skyped in or Zoomed in, whatever it was called 16 years ago um, <laughs> on the Today Show. And so we kind of like did a little interview together, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, my, my mom, so something really cool. Uh, my mom and her three sisters came to um, watch the Olympics and they all like shacked up together at, you know, a hotel and um, just they were there. And they had always said when I was growing up, which you know, ne they never, none of us ever thought that that would happen and I'd actually right. go to the Olympics and I'd actually win an Olympic gold medal. But they'd always said like, you know, knowing that I was a serious gymnast still, even in Louisiana, they were like, we will like sell our house to go. If you go to the Olympics someday, like we, whatever we have to do, we will get there and we will make it. And they did, <laughs> they kept wow. that promise. And so I think to, to see them all, right after I won and like that, you know, news came up and the, my name flashed to the, the number one spot and like looking back at them in the audience, waving the American flag and all just like tears streaming down their face. Um, that was definitely such a cool and like comforting moment to have that sense of home with yeah. you and in the arena right then when, when yeah. a moment like that in your life happened. That's oh, awesome. oh, holy chills. Wow. Yeah. That's so, that is so special. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told that story either, guys. I think that's like, I remember different details. There's like something will hit me different, sure. um, 
you know, when I talk about these types of things and I don't think I've ever actually answered with that and remembered like what a cool moment that was. So exclusive. Yeah. (laughs) We'll take it. (laughs) Well, Carly, thank you so much for joining us. McKenna and I were so pumped to get the chance to talk to you and you're just, you're such a light you were during your sport. You continue to be after the fact. So thank you very much for, for taking some time to chat with us. Well, thank you guys. This was actually super fun. I love this, <laughs> this kind of titty chat talk. Felt like we were just girlfriends. So, <laughs> yes, we love that. All right, everybody. Well, that wraps it up for us this week on Chalk Talk. As always, McKenna and I greatly appreciate you guys listening, following along with us each and every week. We always want to hear from you guys. So make sure you are DMing us or reaching out to us if you have any talking points you want us to cover. Also, make sure you rewatch the meet of the week, UCLA versus Utah, and be ready to talk all about Utah next week. Everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside, stay sane, stay happy. I'm out. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.